Welcome back, everyone. Hey, Mayor. What's up, girl? Oh, how's it going, Sonia? Hey, Mayor. <laughs> um, I just wanted to say thank you to all of our um, wonderful listeners for coming back and joining us. We have an extra special guest today, my wonderful friend all the way from Oz, Kate Neal, Dr. Kate Neal. Yay! <laughs> hey, Kate! Hello, how are you? Thank you so much for, um, you know, crossing the waters and having a chat with me. <laughs> oh, we are so excited to have you, Kate. Now, how did you and Sonia originally get connected? Oh my God. Through Instagram, where all good things happen. Um, exactly. Oh, yes. <laughs> I was admiring her work from a distance. I had a work colleague who was in the area and I said, oh God, just do me a favor and go and look at this garden, please. <laughs> I need to know more about this woman. Oh my God. And then, yeah, it, it snowballed from there. So Kate is the one who connected me to Simon. Holloway with oh, Veggie Pod. A veggie pod. Okay. Yes. And it started like our whole snowball with Veggie Pod. And now we're addicted to Veggie Pod. <laughs> Correct. Um, and Kate has just some, done some amazing things. And I'm going to be quiet because you just have to learn about all things Kate. And oh, I how no, I want to know did. a little bit about the background. Yeah. Yes. Now she's done a blog for us before, but mm -hmm. now we've got her. <laughs> <laughs> that right. sounds so ominous, but it's I not. Know. We are so excited. <laughs> yes, we are. We are so excited. So Kate, why don't you share with our listeners how, well, who you are, your background and what do you do? Okay. Um, so I am a childhood studies uh, academic and I did my PhD a couple of years ago looking at how children understand ethical consumption. So what do they know about organic? What do they know about free range? What do they know about um, how things like our iPhones are being made, where our clothes are being manufactured? Um, and I had a really great supervisor who encouraged me to get in and chat to kids. So I did that and and as well as learning so much about kids and actually so much about how adults tend to underestimate children, um, I just really loved having that conversation with them. And moving forward from my PhD, I thought I just need to spend as much time with kids. Um, I'm an avid gardener, which, you know, is kind of how the reason why I'm on Instagram. And I thought if I'm going to you know, do something that I'm passionate about. It has to have something to do with kids, has to have something to do with gardening. Um, and then I started working in the disability space. An amazing disability project came along. So I started working with people with intellectual disabilities. And I basically have just kept, as you guys know, it happens, you just kind of keep plodding away at right. carving the space where I can work with, um, with kids, with people with disability, can learn about gardening. And then I just started, it kind of was a bit of a revelation realizing all the therapeutic benefits of gardening and how kids and all of us really benefit from having our hands in our soil, 
from learning about resilience, about the environment, uh, about just taking time out, what it means to understand when we need to take time out and how the garden become, can become a really good context for that. So over the last kind of 18 months, I've really been trying to put together research projects that enable me to understand that a little bit better and to work with kids and people with disabilities so that they're co-researching with I always kind of use the analogy, they're the microphone, I'm just the microphone for their voice, but really <laughs> mm. about their perspective. That's amazing. That is just that amazing. That is, yeah. And that's kind of where, that's where we connect it. <laughs> <laughs> I can see why. <laughs> I mean, we, there was so much that uh, Kate was doing where I went, wow, this is exactly what, we're working on over here and i i know when like just looking at her pictures and watching what she was doing now i was working with children who were a little older but kate talk about the the age group that you were working with because the the way they're classified it's just called different here in the states yes. so i so i've been really lucky now that i've worked with kids of much older with three to five year olds and I loved that because they have no filter they really tell you what's happening <laughs> yeah they do <laughs> they really do but the best thing was that going into early um we call it early childhood education centers so kind of like preschools or daycare centers setting up a garden and then if anything I had to teach the educators more than the kids because it was like mm. okay put your hand up if you've ever grown something and a little hand would fire up Put, put your hand up if you've ever used a hose, if you know how to mulch. And so basically the approach that we've always taken is that we use the existing skill base within the group. And you can do that with any age of people in any kind of context as well. But essentially it was saying, okay, acknowledging and respecting the fact that these kids already had existing skills with gardening. You were just providing them the opportunity to be the leader. And they might just be the leader when it came to putting soil in the garden bed or they may be the leader when it came to showing the others in the group how to plant a seedling or how to mulch so from working with kids that age obviously it was like okay what's happening in primary schools or elementary schools i think you call it what's happening in high schools at the moment um the project i've been working on most recently is with 17 16 17 18 year olds who are in kind of vocational education training so they're learning skills they're learning horticulture but what we've noticed, even when they're in the garden for gardening purposes, is all those therapeutic benefits are still there. That they, you know, the kids are talking about things like it's so good to get out in the garden in this class because I can stop and breathe. My life's so busy, like every other class is so busy, but here I can work in the garden at my own pace. So we've learned really, really interesting things from kids of all ages. Um, and then what we find, which is often the most surprising for adults, is it's really no different to how adults are experiencing the garden. It's mm -hmm. often the only difference is, is that the adults have the power when they're working with kids in the garden. So a big part of sort of the advocacy of the role that I'm doing is just letting adults acknowledge that actually it's okay to share power and kids have existing skills. And actually to bring out the best in kids, you should be acknowledging those skills from the get-go and letting them lead when it's appropriate. Oh, I love that. Yeah, that, that's powerful. Yeah, it, it, it's not rocket science. And I think like, and that's why I love connecting with people like Sonia because I see it happening and I see it happening so successfully. 
But I guess there are always, you know, teachers or there's schools that haven't quite grasped that. And that's the exciting part where I'm kind of leading a, a young group of kids in the garden and just, and you can see the teachers going, wow, I, you know, I wouldn't have used this approach or I would have assumed kids wouldn't have known that or it just wouldn't have been how I would have done it. So that's the exciting part in getting sort of the knowledge out there, I suppose. Oh, wow. Absolutely. And I think that's interesting too, too that you see that um, because I know for Sonia, when she first started this project for our location, um, she had to educate herself and learn a little bit about, <laughs> I'm maybe downplaying a little bit, but <laughs> <laughs> I knew nothing. <laughs> I didn't even want to touch dirt. Like it was all dirt. There was no such thing as soil. It was all dirt didn't want to touch anything. So yeah, I had to, yeah, I had to educate myself. And then it was through that learning, well, why do we want to have a garden? Learning all of the benefits of it and then just full steam ahead from there. But you know, you've touched on something that's so, um, so relevant in the research findings. And that is actually that kids really respect when an adult will say, well, I don't have the answer. Should we find out together? Or, yeah. or, or it's just that I think, you know, adults tend to put on this sort of bravado that they actually have all the answers and right. kids therefore go, Oh, well, I feel a bit anxious because I don't know all the answers. Whereas when, as an adult, you say to a child, I don't know either, but <laughs> I, I think we can find out kids kind of drop their shoulders and go, oh, okay, so one, it's okay not to know everything. And two, mm -hmm. you know, it's kind of refreshing that an adult sitting here saying, oh, I don't really understand either, but, you know, let's go along on this journey together. And we've got research done at my centre, which is more broadly about student participation in schools. It's not specific to the gardening. Um, but the biggest, the best indicator of well-being of students in school is their opportunity to work together with adults who generally are the ones that hold the power in that school. And, um, and so that's sort of the, the conceptual framework I'm bringing into the research I do about gardening is that well, what happens if you share the power and share the responsibility, share the, um, the rights within the group? How does that best foster student well-being? What does that look like when you're working with teachers and children in a garden that shared power? What does, what does that look like? Is it like the, the kids out are teaching the teachers or, you know, are they planning together? What, what happens during that time? I think if I'm going to break it down to the most basic, what you actually see is dialogue and conversation and a dynamic um, approach to a problem. Um, and so I'm working with um, an amazing colleague who's working in a school in Victoria, which is a state in Australia called Michael Casey. And, and I've gone down and observed the work that he does. And he does it so beautifully that the kids and he just walk out into the garden. Mm -hmm. And instead of him having a lesson plan, he actually says, okay, what needs to be done? And together they problem solve, well, that bed needs mulching that bed needs clearing. We need to build a bed here if we want to get tomatoes in. So all of those planning stages are really important in showing kids that you're actually sharing that power and you're making those decisions together. Um, one student was like at first questioned it because she wasn't used to that approach. And she said, I feel like you're never prepared for our classes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and, it, and, and that took Michael by surprise. He was like, oh, wow. 
but, but I'm not. I'm, I'm letting us make these decisions together. And once she understood that, she was like, oh, wow, this is actually, you know, this is really powerful stuff. This is really. Uh, yeah, I'm just thinking that that has to be so empowering for the kids. Totally, totally. And, and also that they're kind of, you know, kids, I think we forget as adults how little control kids have over aspects of their life. Mm-hmm. And in an education, mm-hmm. school, what you're going to learn in that class is so dictated to you. Whereas, you know, if you open up this kind of dialogue and have this conversation about what should we be growing, can you research that, can you come back to the group without kind of putting the answers in front of them, you're teaching them so many more skills besides just how to garden for starters, but you're actually letting them take little bits of control of what they want to do. And then you find out really wonderful things about their life and kids feel really um, their esteem grows when you're showing an interest in their broader life as well. So, you know, it might be a conversation. There's one guy that's, that's Nonna is a really big gardener. So he'll talk about things that she's growing and then they've decided to grow that in their garden as well. Or he takes produce home to Nonna to show the stuff that's been happening. All of these things, you know, in order to grow children, it's much more than just, you know, what are we teaching them? It's how are we respecting them? How are we valuing them? How are we showing them we care about their broader world outside of this classroom? That's very true. Um, you're giving them the opportunity to make some big decisions, problem solve, all those things that teachers are being told, hey, you have to do this to prepare these children for the world. But then inside of a classroom, they sit down and they're really not given a ton of choice. This is, this is what you have to learn and this is how we have to learn it and this is the schedule with which we have to learn it. Yeah. And the other thing that we, um, the other thing that we found was that children in, in this school were saying, you know, I love this class because I'm learning things for now. Like in my other classes, things feel future based, but here I'm using the skills now. And I think that's so powerful in terms of how we actually view students or children as becomings and not beings often enough like they're active little citizens in today and I think sometimes we forget that so to allow them to demonstrate their capacity and their contribution to the world around them is really a powerful statement in saying I know you belong here today not just tomorrow. I love how you just said how you view children as becomings and not beings. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, you think right, about- that statement right there just blew me away. <laughs> like that's, that is, that is it, Kate. That is it. Yeah. And they're both. And I think it's fine to, you know, acknowledge the fact that you're providing them tools for tomorrow as well. Mm-hmm. But, you know, sociocultural theory would say that kids learn through doing. So give yeah. them the opportunity in the safe space. Gardening is a really great space to um, to trial things, not everything works out. Teaches us a little bit about resilience, but it also just teaches us that it's okay to tr- like the trial and error is actually a yes. really important part of learning. Yes, I, I found that that's a big thing. Is when something dies in your garden, uh, and kids will get so upset, and you teach them that it's okay. This is how you learn. Sometimes things will die in a garden, just like in life. Sometimes you're not going to achieve everything but what have you learned from it what did we do you know what steps did you take what can you do differently yeah absolutely and also a little bit about control like I guess <laughs> I like mm-hmm. having control in my life 
and nothing has taught me that I don't have control more than mother nature. Um, Kate, and, and I feel you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like right, right now here, it's kind of chilly and I've got some tomatoes that I just need them to finish. And as much as I am cheering them on, mother nature is going to do what she wants to do. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that you know, that's it. it. And also for me personally, I suppose it really kind of reminds me of my place. And, and, and sometimes there's comfort in knowing that, you know, the insignificance compared to the power of mother nature of where you actually sit in the world, because it allows you to be brave knowing that the implications aren't so massive in the grand scheme of things. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I know I would love for you to talk about the curriculum you developed um if if you can yeah of course I, I hope it's relevant because you know Australian curriculum might be a little bit different um what we found it, actually you know time has passed and and it's an exciting time in Australia Australian schools at the moment two massive things have happened one there's been a real shift on student well-being we understand now that kids will not learn if they're not well um right. and so where I guess two years ago to get a gardening program into a school, we really needed to say, oh, look at all these curriculum boxes I am ticking. Oh. Um, now we've got a little bit of, of, of wiggle room where we're saying, actually, you know student wellbeing is important. We know that a garden will help facilitate this. Yes, you know, we can make this into a mathematics and a science class and we can understand, you know, a little bit about climate change or measurements or whatever it is, uh, healthy eating. But actually, you know, across the ocean. <laughs> I know, I know. Pushing across as I'm staring at the ocean now, I'm wheeling it across to you. Um, the the other thing that has also happened is that we um, are really understanding student voice, and we understand the links of student voice to student well-being. So, giving a kids a say in what's happening in their schools is encouraging their well-being, which is encouraging or helping to enable and foster their learning. So, where I think you know it's it's been an exciting passage of time for me of going, okay, fine, I'll link things to a curriculum to help hopefully get pick up in a school. Um, now we're really being able to push the thing of actually student wellbeing and student voice would suggest that the garden is a great context for it. So let's go. And, and schools are picking that up and running with it. Um, and that's happening at a broader policy level. And I think that's a really, really important and exciting um, movement in terms of therapeutic horticulture, but also just in terms of kids and student wellbeing in schools. Oh my gosh. That just, that does my heart so good. I cannot wait to come visit because <laughs> I, and I can't I, wait to go I'm, with you. <laughs> I, I'm there, get your bags packed and let's plan because this is my next year plan is to come, you know, to go ahead. Cause Kate and I have talked about it and I was like, Oh no, 2020, I will be there. So, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just to see a, a country or you know, a place that's just embracing this philosophy, you know, yeah. it's so critical. It's so important. Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, I don't want to put Australia on a pedestal. There is still a lot of work to be done over here. <laughs> that's it's everywhere. Not, but yeah, it, the it's fact, nice to hear conversations yeah. being had. Yeah, that putting the children first, it's not about test scores and, um, you know, someone's agenda or anything like that. It's, hey, we need to reach these children. Let's do what it takes to 
engage them and to reach them and to make sure that they achieve. Yeah. Look, I think, I think it would be silly to say that they don't see the line between well-being and good test scores. Yeah. Um, but fine. See it for all you want. As long as we're looking after the kids, then I'm kind of okay with where the end goal is on all of that. Um, right. But yeah, it, and I think it comes down to like anything, this isn't about changing kids. This is about changing adults and adults perception of what is a good education, adults perception of what am I expecting from a child by the time they leave school and what skills are actually important. Like I'm hearing more and more these conversations about soft skills. So it's not about the ability to do a task. It's around the emotional intelligence and the empathy and, and all those soft skills we require to have a functioning community and a, and a safe community and that we care about each other and then the broader environment as well so yeah it is nice to be hearing more and more of these sort of this terminology popping up in policy conversation oh, that's great that's great do Absolutely. you do a lot of work with adults uh, I have done work with adults. Um, often the, in the disability space, they're young people. So we go up to the age of 30 with intellectual disability. Um, I've done some work in social housing um, and, and I'm dipping my toe next year into aged care and dementia, which is looking at therapeutic horticulture programs to help people living with dementia. So it is kind of new territory for me, um, but it's really exciting. I think as long as I'm out talking to people and, and understanding their lived experience and what kind of helps anyone's esteem grow and their sense of identity, then, you know, and it's in the garden, then I'm hooked. <laughs> oh, definitely. Well, Kate, I know that you need to leave us soon, but we did have a question for you. Um, and this is not really garden related, but it sort of is. So I know that you and Sonia met on Instagram and I was wondering what is a hashtag that you associate with yourself? And a hashtag? Yeah. yeah. Do you have like one, like a branded hashtag, you know, something that you always put in your posts? No, but I do like really bad gardening jokes. <laughs> so, <laughs> so often it's like you know jardin jokes or something ridiculous like that um but that's mainly just to keep my children mortified that i even have access to the <laughs> that is great that is great well kate can you tell everyone where they can find you on instagram of course but anywhere else online yeah, so I my little she shed is generally Kate in her pajamas on a Saturday morning getting stuff out of the garden. Um, we love it. <laughs> but who thought that's not so good professionally? Oh, um, I know. Um, that's how we do it. <laughs> I mean, gardeners can see through all of that stuff. Um, but digability.com.au is kind of where I put my serious but passionate hat on and talk about all the work that I'm doing. And, and there's an Instagram account at digability as well. Okay. Oh, thank you. Yes. So I love that much. one. <laughs> thank you. Like we appreciate you taking this time. It's 6 PM here, but it is 9 AM in Australia. That's correct. <laughs> so I'm running late. <laughs> yeah. I, I could talk forever with you both. It's so oh, great to we talk like my Oh, we will definitely chat again soon, but thank you so, so much. Thanks guys. All right, thank we'll you, Kate. you soon, Kate. Keep growing. Thanks. I'm, I am so happy Kate was on. What a great connection that was with her. Oh my goodness. It was so nice to be able to finally talk to her 
in, I almost want to say in person, but it wasn't in person. It felt like it was in person, it even did. though she's a world away from us. It did. Oh, my gosh. Kate, you just made me want to come to Australia even more. That much more. Well, I'm. if you're not taking me on the plane, I'm getting the suitcase. Um, well... I'm not going anywhere without you. Oh, this is how we roll. That's right. That's right. So Aww. thank you again, Kate. It thank was you wonderful so much. talking to you. And remember, if you're looking for the Block Garden Project anywhere, you can mm-hmm. find us on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter, on Twitter, everywhere, everywhere, all the medias. That's right. We look forward to talking to you real soon. Bye, everyone. Keep growing.